Hey everyone, I'm sorry that this is being posted in February. Life got crazy. The holidays happened, and then I got a puppy, and so I've been distracted playing with and training my puppy, so I haven't really had time to sit down and edit. And also, this podcast, when I originally recorded it, was well over an hour long. It is still over an hour long. It's taken me a really long time to edit. Thank you so much for your patience, everyone. And I hope you enjoy this first half of the episode. Also, I decided to upload it today because February 7th is the 45th anniversary of Jeannie Francis joining the cast as Laura. So this works out perfectly. Yeah, I hope you enjoy the first half of my podcast about Laura. Second half should be coming out next month or April. I might be doing something a little bit different next month, so I'm not having to edit multiple hours of podcasts again. So, in 1961... So they've changed her age a little bit. That's good. Anyways. (laughs) So, Laura is the daughter of Gordon Gray and Leslie, obviously, but he had told her that Laura was a stillborn because he was cruel, and I guess we can see where Cyrus got it from with that. But anyways, uh, then Leslie learned that she was being raised by the Vinings, and Laura moved in with Leslie, but then she had trouble being away from her adoptive mom, which is kind of understandable. And then Leslie took her back to the Vinings so she couldn't forget her, and then Leslie's husband paid the Vinings to run off with Laura. And then Jack, and then Rick Weber found her, and he helped her come to terms with the fact that Leslie loved her as much as her adoptive mom. And then she moved in with them when they got married. And then she began dating <laughs> Scotty, which uh, led to some interesting storylines, including when she asked Monica for birth control pills. And then David Hamilton came along. And then when he couldn't seduce Leslie, he figured, hey, I'll seduce Laura, which is disgusting. All to get revenge. Number one. Number two, she didn't lie about forgetting about it. She legitimately didn't remember. I don't really think it's fair that she had six months probation on her record for something so... I don't know. It was a mistake. That bothers me. And then she and Scotty got back together. And uh, he had started sleeping with Bobby, which... I'm glad I've read the fan wiki of the 70s with Laura because that at least explains why Bobby hated Laura for so much time. And then Bobby was upset that Laura (laughs) had taken, that Scotty wanted Laura back. So she decided to break them up. And then she brought Luke in. And then... Bobby tried to get Laura to break her probation, and 
sent to reform school. Which, again, it was an accident. Why? <sighs> this... <sighs> I just... I don't know that she should have been on probation if it was a legitimate accident. And it was a legitimate accident. <sighs> Anyways, that didn't work. So then she tried. So then Bobby tried to fake being pregnant, and then that didn't work. And then she tried to make Laura think she's left with Scott again, and her plan worked. But then she crashed her car, and Luke did not like that, and ordered Bobby to stop it. And then Bobby felt bad and stood back as. They were reunited. And then she got married to Scotty when she was like 18. And then she bought law books for him. And then she asked Luke Spencer for a job at the campus disco. And then Luke developed feelings for her. And then he confessed his love for her. And then he raped her. And I hate that storyline. It's a terrible storyline. Because then... Like... It's just, it's wrong. He raped her. Like, they shouldn't have written it where they fell in love. You know? It just kind of... I don't know. And like... Mm. Like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just very annoyed with the storyline. Because, like, Luke and Laura have good chemistry. And I feel like a jerk for saying that because of what he did to her. But it's true. And, like... I don't know. I wish that never would have been a storyline. Although, apparently, it was a storyline because they had... Like, two weeks before the show got cancelled and they thought that was a thing that would save the show, and it did. But, like, then they had to rewrite it, so it was like a... What did he say? What what did they call it in 81? Like a night of seduction or something like that. And then... So that was bad, and I just don't think that was a good idea. And then Laura refused to name him. And somehow forgave him. <laughs> and then Scott found the letter and punched Luke just before his wedding to Jennifer Smith. And then Laura saves his life and then they run off together and fall in love. And then Laura admits she was married, which broke Luke's heart. And then she goes to look for Scott, but she keeps bumping into Luke. And they later admit they can't live without each other. And yeah. So, that's kind of what happened up until 1981, which is where I'll go in the next section. But, like, why? Why did they think that was a good idea? And, like, it backfires because then people, I don't know, like, I feel guilty for liking them as a couple but also there was like this really weird line during the ice princess storyline which i'll go into more detail 
in the next section. But someone that they know is pregnant or maybe they were talking about someone who had just had a Oh no, it was after um Steve's mom was murdered. Liz's brother, Steve's mom was murdered. And then by Heather. <laughs> and so Laura was over at Leslie's house helping watch him. And then Luke was there. And after he'd after the little boy had fallen asleep, Laura was talking to Luke and she was like, Do you remember last year when I thought I could be pregnant with your child? And how happy I was and I was like what? What kind of writing is that? But I guess because they'd rewritten it so that he didn't, like, rape her. But it was just like a night of passion. Made it so it was technically believable that she would be happy to be having his child. I just... So, with Luke... I guess this isn't really this isn't really a question of the episode, but you know in the seventies it said that Luke felt like he was dying before he raped Laura. Does that mean he physically felt like he was dying? Because if he was extremely out of it physically, like you know mentally, I guess that would make sense. Not that that excuses what he did at all, but I feel like it was out of character for him to do that in the first place. So... Did they mean physically, or did they mean emotionally, like, I can't be with the woman I love. I'm dying. Because if that's the case, I don't know why he thought that was the solution to any of those problems. <sighs> I just... <clears throat> I hate that storyline. And then I hate admitting that Luke and Laura had chemistry. It's very confusing. But I just want to know if he physically felt like he was having a heart attack or something, or if he was just emotionally dying. So, for the purposes of this part of the podcast, I'm just going to start in 81 for this section. Because I feel like 1980 was the transition for Laura's character from the 70s to the 80s. So, that's just how we're going to do it, I guess. But 1981 was the Ice Princess storyline. Scotty had moved away to Mexico and run off and was upset about that whole situation and then which is understandable you know I do not think that he should have accused Laura of lying about being raped that was not the right response to that but you know I think in the heat of the moment Scotty kind of I don't know lost it 
because like before that point I guess maybe after that point I don't know I feel like now he and Laura are on really good terms which is good and I don't think he would say that to her now I mean I highly doubt he would actually but (sighs) anyways moving on from that so Scotty had left Laura moved into her own apartment. It happened to be in the same apartment building as Luke. And she got a job at ELQ as a secretary. Tracy Quartermain had left. Alex Quartermain had come. Alex Quartermain hated Laura. I don't know why I'm talking so fast. But, yeah, she was a jerk to Laura. And Laura, was it just Laura? (laughs) She wasn't. She didn't really, uh, at least from what I remember, it's been a while since I've seen these videos, she didn't exactly try and, like, give it back to Alex, if that makes sense. Like, she didn't have a lot of retorts. I mean, she had one or two, and I was like, yes, thank you, but... Oh, Alex was stupid. But anyway, so that happens, and then the Ice Princess storyline starts picking up, and Alex is trying to get Luke to find the Ice Princess for her because she'd promised Tony Cassidyne that she would get it for him. And then Tony Cassidyne, under this alias of Tony Castle, comes and starts dating... Leslie, and that's just kind of weird, and, uh, I think were Rick and Leslie going through a rough patch, oh, wait, isn't that the time that Monica and Rick were kind of thought to be cheating with each other, so if that's the case, that makes sense for why Rick and Leslie were separated. And (laughs) this is very out of order from 81, but towards the beginning of Ice Princess storyline, Laura and Leslie and, like, Heather is there too and Amy are like, oh, let's have a ladies' night, kind of. And then they go to the campus disco, which, you know... I mean, I admire Laura for being able to go back to the scene of the crime that was committed against her and not seem to have any problems. I think that's very unrealistic, but you know. Anyways, (laughs) back on track. Uh, So Tony Castle comes and starts dating Leslie, and Laura doesn't really seem to have an issue with that. And then there's a... A party or something at Kelly's. Oh, then there's a parade. And I think she starts picking up on the fact that something is really fishy is going on with Luke. And she's talking to this guy at the parade. And then Luke gets upset that she's talking to a guy at the parade, and the guy at the parade 
turns out to be one of Alex's friends. Ugh. And I'm like, Luke, you aren't even dating Laura. Why is this any of your business? So what if she's talking to another man? Don't lose your temper so violently. And then, so Alex, I'm still trying to figure out if he did this on his own or if Alex told her friend, whose name is escaping me right now, about David Hamilton. Because he does a lot of things that are similar, I guess, to what David Hamilton did in his creepy grooming. Because that is what it was of Laura. And, like, he drew this portrait of her and, like, really spooked Laura. And, like, a couple of other little things that all kind of added up to that. But Laura keeps having to run errands to his house, and that's when she really starts picking up um, the Ice Princess stuff going on and sees all the chemical equations that he's going through. And she asks about it, and he's like, oh, it's nothing, don't worry about it. And then one night... Oh, and then Robert comes to town, and she flirts with Robert to make Luke jealous because Luke is flirting with Alex and I think that's part of the reason Alex hated Laura is because Luke liked Laura. (sighs) This is so much drama for a 19-year-old to be caught up in. And then... (laughs) Laura and Robert develop their friendship which is nice. And she agrees to help Robert, and Luke sees Robert as the enemy. And then, during this time is that scene that I talked about a couple months ago with Laura painting Luke's room, Luke's apartment for him. And then... There is a scene somewhere in this time where Laura goes to talk to Luke in his apartment and he's shaving and he answers the door and he has shaving cream all over his face and he invites her in so if they can finish the conversation inside and not in the hallway. So she goes in and she's sitting and they're with him, and she finds his shaving cream, and she's just playing with the shaving cream as they talk. I don't know why I find that so funny, but I think that's a really kind of funny moment. And then... Oh. Then O'Reilly comes. Oh. She was such a sweet old older lady. And that was when Luke and Laura, I guess, were dating again. I'm confused about this, honestly. I'm still kind of confused. But either way, O'Reilly was a very sweet WSB agent, and she, like, sent champagne over to them. And 
that was really nice. And then... Robert and Luke are doing something, and the guy, the chemist, that was Alex's friend, this was after the auction. <laughs> this is all over the place, and I'm so sorry. But there was the auction that the Ice Princess was going to be sold at, and Luke went to go figure that out, and there was like this giant sarcophagus that he got. pulled into somebody got pulled into the sarcophagus thing but uh the chemist guy won the auction and got the ice princess and then he and alex fought over it in laura's apartment which i know i am like 99 percent certain that alex purposely chose laura's apartment to bring the chemist guy to and then they had their fight and then Alex like not stabbed him in the head but she like hit him in the head and he died and she ran with the ice princess and she left his body in Laura's apartment then Laura gets home with Luke and Robert are there no Luke is there and he hears Laura scream because there's a dead man in her apartment and it just throws her back to David Hamilton. <sighs> Why do people like rubbing that in her face? She was 16. It was an accident. And she was the victim of a sexual predator. Ugh. But anyway. So she has a complete, like, emotional breakdown, which is really hard to watch. And then Luke takes her back to his apartment and stays with her, and Robert is clean. Robert kind of tries to take care of things with... Oh, man. What was that guy's name? Luke's uh, cab-driving friend who wore outfits that had way too many patterns on them, like a plaid jacket with a polka dot shirt and a striped tie. Oh man, what was his name? But, oh man, it wasn't Sly. Slick, I think. <laughs> but Robert and Slick are trying to clean up that whole situation, and then Robert calls O'Reilly, and O'Reilly comes and tries to comfort Laura while Luke goes down, and then they all, the three men, drive to the lake and dump the guy's body in the harbor, and Slick's like, I really don't like this, and we're like, well, you have to, so they do that, and then stuff happens, Sorry. So then Laura wants to help uh, Luke and Robert, and Robert says okay, and Luke's like, I really don't think this is a good idea, and then O'Reilly gets shot, 
and she dies. And then Robert is extremely upset, which is understandable, and Laura helps him with that. And then... Then, uh... After that, Luke... I mean, Robert gets an assignment from a WSB to get onto the Titan and stop them and, like, get the Ice Princess. So he agrees, and then Luke goes with him. And... (laughs) Oh. It's the strangest action scene where they climb upside down, hand over hand, along a rope to get onto the yacht. And then they go down into the bottom of the yacht. And they find Laura. And she's, like, disguised as a maid. And we're like, how did you get here? And she's like, I just walked right on. And we're like, ugh. Because they've done all that work. And then uh, they sneak down. Because we're standing in a stateroom. When this happens, and they found Laura hiding in a broom closet. And so they go down to the, like, hole of the ship. And then they hear the door open, so they hide. And Victor and Tony are talking, and Victor's like... I mean, Tony's like, well, you know... That Robert and Luke... Or, like, Robert and that Spencer guy aren't very, uh... Like, they, I don't think they caught us. And then there was that girl, Laura, and Laura kind of smiles because she's, I guess she feels like she's enough of a person of interest to end up on this list of people. And Victor says something about taking pictures, and Tony's like, I didn't have time. And Victor's like, you don't have pictures for their files? And so... That leads to a whole fight, and, like, some of... (sighs) I might just save a lot of the details about this, about the Ice Princess storyline for another episode. Also, this is the 40-year anniversary of the Ice Princess storyline, and I really hope they do something about that. Anyways. (sighs) So, I go on this adventure, and we're looking around, and, uh, Laura is able to get them food, because she can actually disguise herself to look like she's supposed to be there, and Luke gets seasick, and she teases him about it, and then they have that adventure on the boat, and I don't think I ever got past them being on the boat. But I know they go to Castine Island, and I know that Stavros isn't exactly even a character at that point. He's just someone who was mentioned as Mikos's cousin before they changed it to be his son, which that's interesting in and of itself. And then, let's see, they come back after the Castines almost frees the world. And then they come back, and Luke and Laura get engaged. And then they get married. And I love 
I love that scene. And I know it's controversial, and I really wish they would have never, ever done that plotline where Luke raped Laura. But, I don't know. And then they just rewrote it after it happened, because I guess they were like, well... Maybe that wasn't a good idea, and apparently part of a reason they did it was because they had to get for ratings up or they were going to be canceled in two weeks, and apparently Vespa got for ratings up, and then they rewrote it so that it was a, how did they word it, like, like, a night of seduction or something, but it's, it's, ugh. <sighs> I hate admitting that Luke and Laura have really good chemistry after what he did to her, but they do. And it makes me so confused. But anyway, uh, that happens. We get married. We're living on a boat. And then one night there's a storm in 80, towards the beginning of 82 in January and there's a storm. And Laura goes to a payphone to try and get a hold of Luke, and then she disappears. And she's not seen on screen again until 1983, but this is the time that she was on Cast Iron Island with Stavros, and apparently that moved pretty quickly. If they got married in 82 and she came back in, like, I think it was November? of October or November of 83. But that was her time with Stavros and Stefan. And that was a terrible time in her life. Although she did have Nicholas, which I think brought her some kind of... gave her the ability to live, as she told Luke later on. And then Luke stopped hating Nicholas. Because Nicholas gave Laura a reason to live when she was in that miserable existence. And gotta be careful if it's turned into a Luke ranch again. But uh, then something I forgot to mention in the thing about the 80s is that sometimes because I've been in because we've been on lockdown for the past year and a half and I didn't have much to do for most of the past year and a half, I've really overanalyzed the show. And I often found myself wondering, did Laura ever regret sneaking on to the Titan and ending up on the Cassidyne Island in Venezuela, which is apparently where they were, And, like, did she ever regret that? Because I think that's how Stavros discovered her, was there. And, I mean, of course, if Tony had been able to somehow covertly take pictures of people without them noticing, which I don't know how Victor expected that to happen, but, like, if that had happened, then I guess Stavros probably would have found her that way But, like, I don't know. I wonder if she ever regretted that. So Laura comes back. 
and she's just walking around in the back of the mayor's mansion because she's excited. Like, she knows that she can't ever see Luke again or her whole family's in danger because that's what Stavros told her the conditions were. Then, if you go to the 2000s, that's not what happened. But you know we're going to stick with the plot line of the 80s. And then I'll talk about the deviations when we get to the 2000s. This is going to be an hour-long podcast, guys. I'm sorry. But then, uh, she's walking around the back of the mayor's mansion where they were married. And Luke has just been elected mayor. So he's walking around inside. And he goes out to the balcony. And he thinks he's seeing a ghost, I think. But then she turns around and he sees that it's really her. And he just screams, Laura. And his voice is breaking, and I almost cried because (laughs) when I first saw that scene, because it's like Luke doesn't cry. He very rarely cries. So that was good. And then Laura panicked and looked over and saw, I don't think it was Stavros, I think it was one of his guards, but whoever it was was not doing a very good job hiding in the garden of the mayor's mansion, because they were just kind of standing there, and you could clearly see their head. And then Laura, like, looks upset and concerned that Luke recognized her and called such attention to the fact that he does. And then she kind of tries to keep her distance, but she can't, because she's so happy to see him. And then he takes care of her and she's like no one can really know that I'm alive yet because Stavros threatened the family and Luke's like okay but then he calls her parents which is good and then they come and we're like so happy to see her and then Blackie Parish comes a couple days later and they meet, and that's kind of interesting. And then, uh, it's like, they think everything's okay. And, like, Luke makes an announcement on TV, and I'm like, Luke, you're not being very smart here. And then Stavros pays a visit, and... Um... To Luke at his office. And they have this talk, and then Luke comes home and he's like, Laura. She's like, Did you talk to Stavros? And he says, Yes. And she's like, He's like, We have to stay. And she's like, But can't we go? And he says, No. Because Stavros said that he acknowledges that we're really married and he'll leave us alone. And she's like, Luke. You can't trust Stavros. He's not gonna let go that easily. And she, he's like, she's like, we have, we need to take, we need to leave. And he's like, no. And she's like, frustrated. I already talked about that in the Luke episode that I did, but like, Luke just ignores her, and it's really annoying to me, because then. 
Stavros does show up like three weeks later and enters. He cuts all the power, has his guards grab Luke while he's trying to go fix the power. And then Stavros shows up and he's like, well, in the words of a commenter on the video on YouTube, he comes in like Dracula. And I actually saw the Dracula movie recently, so I understand better what they meant by that. But <laughs> he comes in and then Luke's like, I thought you left. Like, he's like, I thought you left here months ago. And Stavros turns around and like classic soap opera dramatic look. And he's like, I never left. And there's like dramatic music in the background. And then uh, that is the semi-entertaining part of the scene. And then it gets heartbreaking because Stavros has them tie Luke to the bedpost to force Luke to watch him. Uh, rape Laura or attempt to I clicked off as soon as I realized what was about to happen so I never saw what happened there but either way it's not good and Luke breaks the bedpost stabs Stavros with a doorknob and then he and Laura leave but then Stavros catches up with him kind of and he falls down the stairs and breaks his neck. And then, in the hospital, I do like this scene. Because Laura gets her revenge a little bit. Like, because Luke's kind of taunting Stavros, and she really is, and she's like, I don't want anything to do with you ever again. And like, I'm with Luke now, I'm happy, and he's like, oh, I forget what his last words were, but Stefan quotes them to her anyway in the 90s, but anyway, that happens, they go away for a little bit, they come back, Laura tells Luke she's pregnant, there's a lot of happiness about that, and then they leave for a little while to go on the run from Frank Smith, who has caught up with them again. And that is a pretty... Well, I was going to say quick rundown. This was a 30-minute snippet so far. 30-minute recording, so maybe not a quick rundown. But that's basically everything that happened to Laura from 1981 to 1983. Lots of stuff happened in two years. Three, well, on screen, two years. <sighs> hey guys, sorry for the incoming rant here, but okay, I know I have talked about this before, but for a little more depth here, what is going on with Laura's timeline? They've messed up the entire chronology and, like, timeline of Laura because it made sense that Laura would be born in 1961 
and Vin. They, someone out there, made the decision that Laura should be born in 1961 still, but that Stavros, instead of being born in 1960, should be born in 1957. So that causes a problem. And then that Nicholas, instead of being born November 5th, 1982, thank you, fandom wiki, (laughs) instead of that happening, 1982, he should be born in 1977. But we're keeping Laura the same age. So therefore, Laura, oh, they've messed up the whole thing. And, like, I understand why it works to keep her born in 1961, because she is kind of, she is an iconic character, not kind of, she is, but, oh, it's really stupid, because by this logic, Stavros was nearly 20 when Nicholas was born, rather than 24, 23, 24, and Laura would have been 15 instead of 20 or 21. Barely, almost 16, but still 15. Which makes Stavros even creepier than he already is. And he is a major creepy person. And this does not work, because Luke and Laura were married when she was 20, 19 or 20. She and Scotty got married when she was 17 or 18. And by changing these ages, now the whole entire story, life story of Laura is completely thrown off. It just does not work. <laughs> she would have had to have married Scotty when she was 13 for this plot to work. And no, absolutely not. And she would have had to marry Luke when she was 14. Absolutely not. Because they have to be married first for everything that happens with Nicholas and Stefan coming in the 90s to work. And it really just doesn't work. <sighs> And that would make Stavros and Scott. I mean, Stavros is a creep. That would make Luke and Scotty absolute creepy, creepy people. And no. But she has to marry Luke before the stuff of Stavros happens because the Ice Princess happens before she and Luke. I mean, yeah, before she and Luke get married and before Stavros even knows she exists. The Ice Princess is the only reason Stavros knows that Laura exists. And that happened in 1981. This is very, very annoying. Why would they change the year she was born? It makes things so much more confusing. And then, they made Stefan a year older than Laura. Born in 1960. Last I checked. Who knows? It probably changed it again. But this means he would have been 16 and in charge of raising Nicholas. What about the fact that he went to university, and he was away at university when Laura first came into the island, and then he stayed, or he had just recently graduated from university, so he had to be like 22 or 23. Do you guys see why this is so annoying? Nothing makes sense with this difference now, because Luke came into her life after she was already dating Scotty, because Bobby wanted to be with Scotty. Because of what had happened when Laura was with David Hamilton. Which is the other issue. What about David Hamilton when she was 16? And that happened, that still happened at the age of 16 according to recent recountings by Laura when she was trying to figure out why Cyrus was so interested in that. 
And it happened in Port Charles when she was 16. And I'm very, very annoyed. (laughs) Sorry for the rant. Thank you for listening. I hope this entertains you. I'm just really annoyed and thought I would share my annoyance very passionately with you guys. Thank you. You know, another thing for messing up the timeline is that in order for the storyline that happened later when Nicholas came to happen, Luke and Laura had to have been married before Laura went, was kidnapped. Because otherwise, Luke is mad at Laura for something that she did when they were not married and when they had no reason other than common decency to believe that they would stay faithful to each other. And he also forgets that she was told that he was dead. But aside from that, like, if you take away the idea or the fact that Luke and Laura were married, before Stavros kidnapped Laura, then Luke is just being a not very nice word. (laughs) And it's just really annoying because Laura did nothing wrong in that situation. She was just trying to survive. And then, you know, two or three years later, when he just kind of took off for a while... He came back and, like, number one was shocked that Laura was upset about what had happened in 1980. And number two, he was just like, I realized that you didn't have a choice because he somehow snuck onto Castine Island and found all the letters that she'd written to him. And I'm like, do you think she would lie about that? Okay, I have to be careful or this will turn into another rant about Luke, but I don't know. And then he seemed to have forgotten about the fact that that was such a horrible, traumatic experience because of the whole mess of a time in the office on the Haunted Star with that ring and the desk and ignoring Laura, telling him to stop it and... Stop looking at that stuff. Luke. Luke was a jerk. A lot of the time. And now for my housekeeping slash random theories section. In honor of the Christmas season. If I can get this uploaded in December. Um... I found an answer to one of my questions of the month that requires a lot of analyzing characters, but um, I think I've asked in the past why Stavros was Marley and Luke's um, Christmas Carol story in 2003, and I think at least with that part, I still don't understand why Helena was the ghost of Christmas past, but I think... He was, uh, Marley because Luke was scared of turning into Stavros, and I think he was, like, I think that's why Stavros was Marley, because, I mean, in the Christmas Carol story, Marley was someone 
was like Mr. Scrooge's boss, someone that he worked with. And he'd made a lot of mistakes, and that's where Scrooge picked up a lot of his habits. So he was trying to warn him. So I think perhaps, um, perhaps Stavros was trying to warn Luke. And I think it was established Luke had been drinking, so... I mean, Christmas Carol is obviously an imagining imagination of someone, but I think, um, I think Luke deep down inside feared becoming like Stavros, and he knew if he kept acting the way he was, he probably would. So I think that's why Stavros was Marley in that version. It is kind of weird, because it's not who you would expect, but I mean, that's the person you have the most enmity with. It is kind of funny knowing that <laughs> Mr. Sheffield from Banani is playing such an evil villain. Also, he's been in three episodes, like in three different shows, where he has a relationship with one of Stephen Nichols' characters. Because Stephen Nichols was on an episode of Banani, and he was Stefan, and Victor is... Stefan's uncle and he was he is Steve on days and I think Charles Shaughnessy was Shane is that the right name in the 80s <laughs> and several times since so I think that's cool so my question of the month is something that I've probably already covered but with the Ice Princess 2.0 storyline, which is a storyline that I have watched probably too many times, my question is, did... Was Steph... Okay, not Stefan. No, I can't see Stefan doing this. Was Stavros quote-unquote kind enough to knock Lulu out before he put her in to that cryogenic chamber. Because she looks like she's sleeping. But also, she did tell Dante that her last memory before waking up was being pulled into this cold room. So, I don't know. Maybe he pulled her in there and then knocked her out? Because she looks like she's sleeping! I don't know why you would... I mean, unless you just really like sleeping in the cold, which is another point in a minute. I just don't get it. And I'm overthinking this. Because that's just how my brain works. But, also, going off of that, I was bored because we've been in quarantine and basically on lockdown for the past year. So I was bored <laughs> and watching that storyline again and I looked up the temperature conversion because the little box computer thing next to the door said it was like it 
somewhere in the negative 200s Celsius. And I was like, I wonder if a conversion of that is to Fahrenheit. Because I don't know. But I looked it up, and it's like around negative 350. Which is insane. Because Lulu should have hypothermia. She should have had hypothermia. She should have had frostbite. Something. Because that dress was not long enough to protect her from the cold. Although for a long time, I thought that the memory loss was like due to her being in a cryogenic chamber. Didn't realize that it was actually because of what had happened with Stavros. Man, Stavros is a terrifying villain who's very cartoony. But beneath the cartooniness is this like sinister bad part of him that's scary. And why do I want him to come back? I don't want him to come back because I know if he comes back then we're going to make Charlotte into his daughter and then just because they love hurting Valentine. So with a recent twist in which Tracy showed up and told Laura it's Luke, he's gone. It's Luke. You know, that either means two things. One, he's either dead. Or two, which I feel is more likely, is that um, he just decided to go off on an adventure and not tell Tracy where he was going. But my theory, since we know that Helena is back at some point, is that this is all some elaborate scheme to get her where he wants her, and then he can, I don't know, get his revenge. I just, I mean, that could be how Helena shows up again, like, at his funeral. I hope they didn't, I hope they didn't kill him off, because this is going to sound bad. But when Tony Geary dies, they're not going to be able to do a tribute episode to him if they've killed Luke off now. Because that's what happened with Stuart Damon. You know, they couldn't do anything for Alan because they'd killed Alan off 14 years ago. 15 years ago. It just... Uh, I'm very... <laughs> concerned with whoever going with this but it's also luke i can see him faking his death to lure helena or someone else out Ooh, see like <laughs> i know they might have just killed him off which is a weird choice but like maybe he had some information and so he figured out the best way to protect Laura was to get the person that would be targeting Laura to try and follow him. And there are two people who don't like him very much. Well, he has a long list of enemies. But, you know, he has Helena, who also strangely, like, <laughs> had a big fight with Tracy over who was better for him. Which, you know... Neither of them really were, but of the two, I think Tracy was a better choice. But the other person who really doesn't like Luke 
is Stavros. And that would be very interesting. That is my prediction for where they could go with this story. Or they might have just decided it was time to kill Luke off since Tony Geary might not be, probably isn't coming back. My other theory about what's going on with Luke is that he might have figured out what happened to Holly. And he can... Maybe he's trying to rescue Holly. It's just very exciting. <gasps> Ooh. And it could still... Well, it's probably Victor. But it could still be Stavros. Because Stavros... I don't know. Stavros has a bit of a... Hatred for Luke. And Luke hates him right back. But like... Maybe, well, Stavros doesn't think very logically, but maybe he was like, if I take Holly, then Luke will try to save her, and then I can kill him, because he doesn't like Luke. So, that's my ever theory. I mean, the hand that they showed when they showed Holly was, uh... <laughs> I, I overanalyzed the hand. Um, it looked like an older man's hand. And now that Victor is back, that's probably who it was supposed to be. Although I don't think they had a cast Charles Shaughnessy way back in 2020. I think that was, uh, I don't know. But the point is, I think it was a Cassidine's. I don't think it was Helena's. It was probably Victor's. And, I mean, who has Victor worked with so much in the past? Stavros. <laughs> I realize it's very weird that Stavros is my favorite villain if I love Laura so much, but... I don't know. He's... He's scary. I think because he's so kind of unhinged. Kind of like Faison is scary... But Faison is a little more calculating, I think, than Stavros. Stavros kind of. Although he did take Gia to get Nicholas to come see him. And he befriended her under a false pretenses and all that. So I guess it's not that weird. One last thing, hopefully. Um, an addendum to my last podcast about Steve and Kayla. I was somehow unaware of Steve throwing Jack off a roof, so <laughs> take back what I said about him not hurting Jack. He did. Um, that scene was just very weird to me. No, I did forget about him throwing Jack off a roof, but I do think it was very nice of him to then donate his kidney to Jack, you know? <laughs> I mean... I guess he was like, well, I am the reason he's hurt in the first place, so let me try and make it right. Which is good. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to, I just wanted to clarify that he did in fact throw Jack off a roof. Two more things. I have predictions for storylines that will happen in the next couple of months. Because I know Helena is supposed to be coming back which is exciting 
So with her, well, with Luke being gone, I'm telling you, I don't know why everyone on the show is just like, oh, Luke's dead. Okay, let's have a memorial because they found his things. Um, first of all, do they forget what kind of power the Cassidines have? Like, Helena, I don't even want to know how, somehow switched out Jake's body, Jake, with another four-year-old. And everyone believed that that four-year-old's body was Jake's for a long time. So, <laughs> it's a very real possibility that the Cassidines could have Luke. I think the Cassidines have Holly. Luke is probably off trying to save Holly. <sighs> if he didn't fake his death, the Cassidines probably have him. And I'm really frustrated that that's not one of Laura's first thoughts is, oh, Maybe someone has him. I don't know. But the second thing I would like to say is that Esme has to be related to Ryan somehow, right? Like, she has way too strong of an interest in him to not have some kind of relationship there. And I don't know if it's like... She's his daughter... I mean, unless they bring in some random step-siblings for Kevin, that's the only relationship they can have, unless Esme somehow turns out to be Kevin's daughter. Which, the way the show has gone, could happen. Why not? Kevin has all these random children that he doesn't know about <laughs> on Port Charles. Or that have disappeared. Christina disappeared. But... Oh, I want to call her Sam. It was Kelly Monaco's character on Port Charles, whose name is escaping me. Livy? I think it was Livy. But he found out that she was his um, daughter. And then she kind of left. It's all just very weird. Ugh. <sighs> I'm just really frustrated, but I don't think Esme's a good character. I mean, she's a good character, but the summaries I've read of her character irritate me, which is probably her purpose. I just think it's funny that Kevin called her high maintenance when they moved back into Windermere before moving out of Windermere again. Ugh. It's all very confusing, but I just like that Kevin was like, hey, do you want your son and your high-maintenance and his high-maintenance girlfriend living in your house? Like, fine by me. It's just... Man. I don't know. I'm just saying Esme should, is probably related to Ryan somehow. And, like, is she a CNA? Is she going to school for nursing? I'm just confused on why she has so much, like, medical experience. It's very weird. Um, and back to Helena and Luke. With last year being the 40th anniversary, 
of the Ice Princess. They could do something with that. Victor could decide that he wants a, um, Victor. <gasps> oh, they could have Victor figure out how to get the Ice Princess stuff working again in order to honor Mikos' memory. <laughs> Which would give him reason to try and keep Luke away, which would give him reason to stage Luke's death. Or he could have just killed Luke. I mean, he already killed, um, oh my goodness, why is her name escaping me right now? Hayden. Like, <laughs> I don't know, he's got that hospital prison thing where the real Chloe Jennings was so like I'm sure he has Holly too so he probably has Luke and I'm just frustrated but if they go that route maybe they could have Laura figure it out that Luke is actually alive and she can have a really cool storyline which would be awesome but I don't trust the writers to write her character well enough. Okay, <laughs> that's too much of a rant. Those are my storyline predictions for the coming months. <laughs> In honor of Helena being back, and I don't know if it was a flashback, it probably was, but if it wasn't, either way, <laughs> I'm really mad because they keep bringing all these people back that make me want to watch, but I just, life is so busy now. But um, I think... My favorite moment with Helena is also one of my favorite moments with Spencer. And it's when Spencer was like eight. I think he was young. But it was when Nicholas and Britt had kind of broken up. And Britt and Dr. Obricht and Helena were all on the dock. And Spencer runs away from Windermere. And he gets to the dock and he runs into them. And he has no clue who Helena is, and he's just talking to Britt like, you have to come back. And she's like, I live in my own house now. What are you doing? He's like, I'm going to run away and join the Merchant Marines and see the world. <laughs> Which is just... Spencer knew too much, honestly, for an eight-year-old. <laughs> But um, Helena's like, over my dead body. And he's like, this is a private conversation. Buttskies, outskies. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and it's very funny. And she's like, such language. And he's like, no, he's like, he opens it with pardon moi. And then she's, he's like, it's French. And she's like, I know. And Dr. Obrick is like, do you know who this is? And he says no. And then she explains that it's his great-grandmother, and he slips behind Brit. And then he's like, but you're not her because fa father said that you had snakes for hair. And Helena kind of smirks and says, those only come out for 
little boys who don't mind for manners. Are we going to have that kind of problem? And he's like, no. Great grandma for ma'am. And then he, she's like, it needs some work, but. <laughs> but then it makes me sad because it makes me think of her having Jake all those years and. At least with Spencer, she has some kind of motivation to try and be nice to him. But she had no motivation to be nice to Jake, and it was miserable for him, I'm sure. So that made me sad after I initially laughed at it because Spencer was just being Spencer. I miss that Spencer! Like, the Spencer with a cute personality who wasn't... Who still had the attitude problem, but who wasn't, like, going off the rails. Okay, one last thing before I end this podcast. I'm sorry. But another moment with Helena that I like, that I just feel like bringing up here, is probably one I've already brought up. But I just think it's funny when she and Alexis are talking after Alexis has been staying at Windermere with Christina after that whole st- all that stuff of Kiefer and it's not the part where Helena says Alexis is too cerebral to get any joy out of killing people because that is disturbing I do not like that line but I do like that Helena and Alexis are kind of bickering and Alexis says something like no one really cares who you're speaking to. Like, she uses it, she uses who incorrectly, and Helena, she's like, to whom, dear, to whom? And it's just very, not even dear, just to whom. Or maybe she did say dear in a sarcastic way. It just, I don't know why I'm so shocked by Helena correcting people's grammar. That doesn't seem in character. Also, the time she tried to give Spencer a dagger as a four-year-old. <laughs> that was stupid. And I'm glad <laughs> Nicholas's face, when he opened the box and saw what it was, was hilarious. And he was like, I'm going to put this in the safe for when you're older. <laughs> Helena has a lot of questionable moments. <clears throat> She's never been a good person. She put a curse on Luke and Laura on her wedding day. Okay. I have a theory for how they can bring Lulu back and bring Lulu and Dante back together. And it's very convoluted. (laughs) And very weird. And like I've established, it's weird that Stavros is one of my favorite characters, but, like, favorite villains. I don't like him, but he's a good villain. So, my thing is that I read in the Soap Opera Digest that Laura's storyline, that kind of, I guess, hits hits its peak this month or something, is... Victor trying to reunite all the Cassidines and her trying to save Nicholas and Spencer. But why is Victor trying to reunite all the Cassidines? Does, does all the Cassidines include Helena and Stavros? 
that'd be interesting. Also, I mean, if it does contain, contain, if it does include Helena and Stavros, that is where things could get very interesting. More so with Stavros. Although, I mean, I love Helena. I love whenever she pops up. She's crazy. (laughs) And kind of scary. But I think that's why I find her so interesting. So anyway, with this whole thing, Stavros, you know, had turned his obsession to Lulu. So... If he were to come back and find out she was in a coma, it could go, like, two different ways. Or really both ways, because he's Stavros. One, he'd probably kill Cyrus, which would then be confusing for Laura, because I have a feeling Laura, deep, deep down, would like Cyrus to pay for what he did to Lulu. I mean, Stavros would be doing it out of jealousy and not out of any kind of, like, justice. But then... (laughs) I don't know. Somehow, Stavros... Well, Stavros is good at forcing doctors to do things, as we learned with the Crichton-Clark crisis of 2014. And him getting that doctor to do that IVF treatment on Lulu forcibly. So, he could force the doctors somehow to get Lulu out of her coma. And it's a soap, so it couldn't work. Suspension of disbelief. And then, Lulu will wake up, be concerned to find out that it was Stavros who had him wake her back up. Dante will realize what's happening and protect Lulu from Stavros. And then they'll realize how much they love each other. And then they'll fix this craziness with Sam and Dante. I don't like that pairing. It really bothers me. (sighs) Okay, and that's my... That is my theory... My theoretical ramblings at, like, 10.30 at night. Thank you for putting up with this whole podcast this month. Thank you for your patience, despite this taking so long. I really think it'll be worth your while, having waited. Um, Yeah, the holidays. The holidays ate up a lot of my time last month. Thank you for your patience and your loyalty in listening.